I'm Alex Fitzpatrick and this is the Spanish Segunda Show, the show where we cast our eye over all 22 clubs in La Liga, hypermotion. Match day 13, unlucky for some, Halloween, frightening performances. I'm trying to get all of those spooky cliches out there before we begin today's show. Uh, speaking of which, Liam, is that a mask I can see that you have on or have you just forgotten to do your makeup this morning? I think, Alex, my appearance this morning is keeping with the horror show that I'm anticipating this evening, which will, of course, be Rare Thalagotha's latest underwhelming offering on the Segunda scene. Why don't you bring us up to date on all the other results this weekend, which thankfully will not be able to include uh, our expected capitulation against Burgos. Absolutely. Friday night, it was another top six clash as Eibar thumped Real Valladolid by five goals to one in a pulsating game under the lights. On Saturday lunchtime, it was a relegation six-pointer with two Juanto Ortuño goals being the difference as Eldense heaped more despair upon Amor Bieta. 2-0 that one finished. Levante went on a school trip to Andorra on the bus and the boys obviously ate too many sweets on the back seat as they lost 2-0 in the Principality. There was another 2-0 on Saturday, Sporting laying down a mark in El Molinon, scoring two, saving a Brathwaite penalty. Uh, as I said, it finished 2-0. They remain unbeaten this season, Sporting in uh, El Molinon, beating Espanyol in that one. Then Elche came from behind in the Estadio Martinez Valero against Tenerife, a Jeremy Mayotte opener, cancelled out by Oscar Plano and then a foolish pull from Jose Amo punished by Nico Castro Elche winning that one 2-1 on Sunday a Sergio Barassia header for Mirandez won it in stoppage time in the pouring rain against Cartagena by two goals to one and then Wesker pushed hard against Albacete but couldn't get the ball between the sticks and it ended nil-nil leaders Leganes extended their uh, winning run and their lead at the top of the table, 1-0 in Butake, um, maintaining their quite remarkable defensive record of just five goals conceded in 13 games this season. Real Oviedo also continue their excellent form under Luis Carrion with a goal in stoppage time in each half, including a heartwarming one after all of his personal mental health troubles for Victor Camarasa. Sunday finished uh, the match day, uh, sorry, Sunday finished in the same way that the match day begun. It was a pulsating goal-packed game. Our friends from the UK, Racing Santander, Peña, were there to see it in a cracking atmosphere and a packed Sardinero. But they left disappointed and empty-handed. They went ahead to Racing Santander, but they were beaten 3-1 by the other Racing, Racing Ferrol. Some golazos in that one and a terrific performance from Heber Penner with two goals and an assist in the game. Uh, playing tonight on Halloween Eve are Burgos from Beaten at Home, who host Real Zaragoza, a month or more long horror show for them, just one win in the last seven games. I'm hoping that's where the Halloween cliches are going to end, uh, but we will see. We said a couple of weeks ago that you don't often see a side score six in Segunda, as Lega did against a struggling Amor Vieta back then, but on Friday, there was a top six clash 
minute Perua, where Abar scored five against Real Valladolid. A quite remarkable scoreline and performance, Liam. Yeah, it's an absolutely remarkable turnaround, isn't it, in terms of uh, Abar's fortunes in recent weeks. Let's not forget the end of match day five, they were bottom of the league. They had just one win to their name. We really wondered, didn't we, how much longer the powers that be would give Echibedia before pulling the plug on this particular experiment. Fast forward a couple of months, they come up against a newly relegated side. Six wins out of seven they had going to this game, right while they did. And they absolutely blew them away, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Just a bit of a head-scratcher, by the way, from on Echeverria at the, at the start of the season. And, and we said that he'd started slow with Mirandes, but there was context to that last season with so many low knees. I guess as a new coach this season as well, there's there's context um, at Abar. But we, we both, I think, rate him very highly as a coach, and he's, he's sort of starting to prove that with Abar now. And they were absolutely buzzing on Friday night. Movement, speed of play, hard pressing in advanced areas. And Valladolid just could not cope. They could not get the ball out at the back. Uh, it was a joy to watch Akeche, a favourite of mine. Um, and I think I'm going to crown him, Liam, as the best striker of the ball from outside the box in the whole of Segunda. We saw his free kick to win it against Tharagotha last weekend and he just seems to have this laser radar of incredible accuracy. He scored from outside the box again in this one, this time in open play. Six goals in 11 games for him this season even more remarkable when you realise he's only started eight games. That's a goal every 116 minutes for him this season and he's not even a striker. Yeah, he's a tremendous player though, isn't he? I think I think the only reason why he's not playing every week is that he's maybe seen as a bit of a luxury, especially away from Ipuru. I don't know what you think about that. I, I, I think he doesn't do an awful lot off the ball, but my word, when he's on it, he can really strike a ball, can't he? Yeah, well, uh, six goals in 11 games is a nice luxury to have. I think you'd have that luxury in your side, wouldn't you? And, and let the other people worry about doing the, the dirty work behind him. Yeah, I can't help feeling he might become a bit more regular as we go through the season if he carries on at that rate. I mean, you have to, don't you? I mean, we did both think, didn't we, at the start of the season that Avar would uh, perhaps be playoff contenders at, at best, you know, this season. That first month did nothing to dispel that notion for us. Do, do we need to have a rethink with them now or is it a bit too soon to be changing our minds about them. Yeah, prior to this incredible run, as you said, we'd both perhaps foolishly written them off, but they are very much back in the game now. They're sat in the automatic promotion spots. They're playing a brand of football totally transformed um, from what they were doing uh, with a very, very similar set of plays and the same shape, the same 4-2-3-1 eventually now that's one of the things that Chiberia went away from and has come back to they played that on the Garitano last season and and they're playing it again and they've just transformed the manner of playing they're an absolute joy to watch they weren't a bad watch last year but they they weren't anything like how they played on Friday night um, and one of the reasons for that is Soriano who's playing in the number 10 role he's a new acquisition one of the uh, few summer acquisitions that have impacted on the 11. Uh, rather bizarrely on loan from Deportivo La Coruña but he brings a lot of quality to that front end of the pitch in terms of creation, movement and guile um, you know the three that they have behind Bautista now, um, Akeche is not always him, he's usually Corpas but Akeche or Corpas plus Stoichkov plus Soriano um, really Bautista and occasionally Kike are, are very much benefiting from that in front of that three um, creative attacking players. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny you should mention Bautista, isn't it? He's, we joke about strikers, don't we? And Bautista, for me, is one of those strikers who gets chance after chance, perhaps a bit of a harsh judgment of him. He's only had chances at Leganes and Eibar last season. But, you know, those two seasons he's had in Segunda really haven't been that impressive him at all. It's been quite underwhelming for me. But he does really start to look like a decent front man now. And I think, as you say, it's got a lot to do with the players behind him and especially Soriano, who has been a, a real fine for him. And that's perhaps why we were worried about them, wasn't it? That we felt that they need to improve their squad and they didn't seem to have the money to do it. But he is, as you say, Echeverria, getting a tune out of a very similar set of players uh, that Galitano at times couldn't do last season. Another team that's flying, of course, at the moment is Sporting, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, let's turn our attention to El Molinon, um, where by the end of the match day, at least, another two top six sides faced off in, in, in this one. Sporting beat Espanyol 2-0, thanks in part to a penalty save from Ruben Yanez, uh, another horrific defensive error from Espanyol, and to add insult to injury, a goal from a former player, Victor Campuzano. Yeah, Campuzano was the man also. I think he, he robbed Oscar Gil in the Espanyol half and then played in Otero for that opening goal for Sporting. How cool did Otero take that one, by the way? I know you rate him highly and he really did look like a, a player who was full of confidence the way he just dinked that over Pacheco, didn't he? Um, I wasn't terribly impressed with Poado defensively either on that second goal. I felt he should have done better. Campuzano, nice finish into the corner, but flicks it up, turns, volleys it in. Well, there's no more than a yard or two away. It doesn't really make much of an effort to, to block it at all. Interesting that Luis Garcia brought on the old warhorse Victor Ruiz at halftime. He's uh, 34 now. I think he's got a lot of experience in uh, La Liga. Has played for Espanyol before. Has been at the club for a couple of months, I think. And it's just sort of working his way back to full fitness. But, you know, it's weird, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, we both thought they might run away with it, Espanyol. Since then, no goals and no points. I mean, do we need to rethink them a little bit? Or, or again, are we perhaps jumping to hasty conclusions based on two bad results. Yeah, I'm going to come back to something that you said about uh, Javi Prado in a minute. But, uh, I mean, just on what you asked, the perception that Espanyol should be winning this league by 10 because of the talent that they have. Um, you know, and it was me that said that a few weeks ago, that I thought that they would win the league by 10. <coughs> Excuse me. I, You, you know, I, I can see the point of view, absolutely, that they should be doing that. Well, of course I can see it because it was and, and remains to be my opinion. But, uh, you know, the, the the owner of Espanyol, for example, should be taking a slightly more pragmatic position. You have to look at the di division, Segunda. You have to give it the respect that it's due as an owner and appreciate that it's not an easy lead to walk in uh, and, and get a 10-point lead. It's my prediction as someone who comments on Segunda that they will win it by 10 or should win it by 10. But that doesn't mean that that should be the expectation of the owner. And I think at the moment, perhaps some Espanol fans and, uh, well, we'll see whether the ownership group believe that that should be the case as well. Um, and, and if they do, then I, I think his job is, is very much uh, under threat. It's going to be a tight league, this one, right the way up until March at the very least, I think, before anyone pulls away. If anyone pulls away, um, I do still, as I say, stand by the fact that I think Espanyol, with the plays they have, should be winning it by 10, but it doesn't mean that they will win it by 10. No, I think you make a very good point there in terms of expectations, don't you? I was talking to an Espanyol fan the other day and he, he, he highlighted how much pressure 
uh, Garcia is under and the squad is under. The expectation is that they are so much better than the rest and, and we feel that they are in terms of their squad, that they should be running away with it already. And I think that's not realistic. And I still think they could do. And um, There are a couple of ifs in there for me. If they keep all their best players until next summer rather than losing some in January, I think they might do. I think you could still see. I know January isn't necessarily a, a buoyant transfer window of the two, but... Um, you know, that you could see Poirado possibly going back to La Liga or even Braithwaite, you know, it could happen. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if they can keep all those players, they have got the best squad in the division by an absolute mile for me. Uh, they do need to tighten up at the back, so it's the other big if for me. If they can tighten up at the back, then that will make a big difference as well. Um, but, you know, other teams will lose two or three players in this next 10-12 games and they will struggle to replace them. Espanyol do not have that problem. But the question is, as you say, how much longer is Luis Garcia going to be given to make that superiority count before the owners decide we need to make a change? Yeah, and as I said a minute ago, I think it depends very much on the perspective that the owners have. You know, we can't have it both ways. We can't say that Espanyol should be winning it by 10 points and be saying that Segunda is a tough league that ebbs and flows. You know, um, I, I think, you know, Segunda is a tough league and... Because of that, do you, do you think that Luis Garcia deserves more time? There's been a lot of criticism of his actual coaching and, and particularly on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably does. Uh, but we often say this about coaches, don't we? It depends on the club you're with. If you're actually ready, five games into the season, it would seem that Abar thought, you know, give him a little bit of time to turn it around, be a bit realistic of what's you know, but, but we, we know, don't we, we've often commented on this, that it's about what the fans think. If the fans are with you generally, then you're going to be OK in, in the short term, at least, aren't you? But as soon as the fans are against you, and I think the vast majority of Espanyol fans are very much now in the Garcia out camp, your days are numbered. And so it doesn't really matter whether he deserves more time or not. If that tide of public opinion in terms of the fan base turns against you, you've got a real problem. And I think that's Garcia's problem now. Regardless of what the owners think, they will act on what they think the fans want. And I think the fans want him out. Can you see any obvious tweaks that he can make to save his skin in the short term, Alex? Yeah, I think they need to find a little bit of balance to their play. It's all well and good us saying that, um, you know, the squad that they have is is so much better. And I think it is so much better. But it's not Sunday League football, this. You can't just put your best 11 players on the pitch and expect them to go out and win it. And it seems to be that that looks a little bit like it's been the strategy in terms of attacking players. We know that they're blessed with Riches, um, Javi Poirot, Melamed, Miller, Brathway. We've, we've spoken very much about it before, but can they play all four of those in the same, same team, which they have been and they are doing, and perhaps they could find some, some balance um, in that way. However, what I would say is, you know, we know that their defending has been poor at times individually, but Leganes aside, their defensive numbers are not any different to any of the other teams in the top six. Um, obviously, Leganes have that incredible record. Uh, and in terms of attacking, there's only Abar that scored more goals than them in the league. And Abar scored five this weekend. And that's the reason why they've got more goals than Espanyol. But, you know, I think perhaps they just need to find a balance in individual games. The overriding statistics are, are not too bad. There are individual performances that are issues. They miss low Paul Lozano a little bit in central midfield uh, since his injury. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Look, could they be better coached? Yes. Um, is he being let down at the same time by senior players, particularly in the back four? I think so. And, and you know, you can see the error in defence for the opening goal in this game this weekend. Um, uh, and that just kind of is a, an illustration of that, really. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's always the case, isn't it, unfortunately? And I do feel sorry for coaches sometimes. I mean, they often do carry the can for underperforming players, don't they? Individual errors tend to cost coaches jobs. I mean, I don't have a lot of time, as you know, for Escribao, Real Zaragoza. But I think both he and Luis Garcia have been let down on a number of occasions in recent weeks by individual errors. And uh, that's got nothing to do with poor coaching, has it, ultimately? But it will still invariably cost coaches their jobs uh, in Segunda and in any other league in the world. Uh, and it doesn't often cost the player his place in the starting line or it doesn't often see him shipped out the door to another club, does it? They tend to survive these errors, whereas coaches tend to uh, pay for them. Maybe a conversation for another time, but I think it's probably an arguable point that um, perhaps I think some of those errors are down to coaching, but um, we can talk about that another time. Uh, just before we draw a line under this particular game, Sporting, another excellent win for them. They climb to third in the table, just one defeat in the last 10 games for them, and they are making waves, Liam. Very much so. I mean, you'd expect it at this stage, wouldn't you, given that they have been fairly unheralded, that uh, Ramirez is predictably trying to take the pressure off his side. He, in the post-match press conference, he's saying there's still plenty of things we could do better. We need to work hard. We need to remember that this isn't game 42, that we haven't got there. We need to get to game 42 with a better chance of being near the top than the bottom, which I thought was great. Talk about underplaying your hand. Uh, rather than thinking, you know, that we are now at game 42 and that doing well in this week actually means anything, which, of course, it doesn't. But, yeah, incredibly promising signs from that from that group of players. Uh, as you say, just one defeat in 10 and uh, third in the table. I mean, I think it's probably exceeded most people's expectations, even the sporting fans, hasn't it, so far? Yeah, it definitely has. Let's turn our attention to the league leaders, Butarque, uh, Leganes. Their success is very much built on their defensive foundations. Borja Jimenez's team have only conceded five goals in the 13 matches so far. And that is the best record of any team from the second division of the five biggest leagues. So England, Italy, France, uh, Germany, and of course, Spain. And and uh, it's also one of the best records in the five biggest leagues. Uh, there's only Nice, who have conceded four goals this season, and Inter Milan, who I think have also uh, conceded five goals this season. So they are in very, very good company on a Europe-wide level, and that is very much carrying them um, in terms of their, their points return this season. You saw the game, Liam. Leganes uh, getting it done, 1-0. Sounds like getting it done. I was watching Oviedo at this point, but you had this one covered, didn't you? I did, yeah, and he was very much getting it done. I think the uh, we, I personally love the Spanish comment. I have the luxury of being able to understand what the Spanish commentators are saying, so I, uh, I, I always listen to them on La Liga Plus, and they are absolutely fantastic, tremendous levels of analysis. But this was quite a simple comment, which didn't require much analysis from one of them near the end of this one. Leganes scored 20 minutes ago, and nothing has happened since then. They are the masters of this. They are very, very good at protecting the lead once they get in front. That's eight clean sheets now in their last 12 games since their opening day loss against Andorra. It's not always riveting to watch, to be perfectly honest. But I'm pretty sure that Lega fans will not care one little bit right now. Looking at the league table this morning, three points clear at the top. Uh, job done. And uh, an, an, another interesting statistic that's worth mentioning as well as their goals record is that they are the team in Segunda with the least possession. They are bottom of the possession table, Leganes, um, compared to every single other club in the league, but top of the table when it comes to points. Um, so, I mean, they're not. They've not got a terrible possession level like we've seen some teams have in the past. I think they're still around about 44%, something like that, 42% maybe. But um, 
to be bottom of that and, and top of the table is remarkable. Uh, you mentioned getting it done in terms of Leganes a minute ago this match day. A team that wasn't getting it done this match day, Liam, was Levante. Some serious issues for them currently. Only three fit first-team defenders when they normally play with a back four. That caused them to change their shape this weekend and play with three at the back. They've got financial issues, which we've documented on the show before as well. But the direct impact of that means that they travelled uh, they've stopped doing the overnight stays before games they had to for this one because they travelled the almost eight hours from Valencia to Andorra by coach only to lose 2-0 to a struggling Andorra side Yeah as you mentioned uh, they, uh, they, some of you may remember that we, we talked over the summer didn't we there was even talk wasn't there that Levante possibly might be relegated to Primera Federación their financial issues are so serious and uh, that all went away and it all went quiet on that front but actually you can see from this can't you that the the cost cutting mode is still very much in place if you're having to take the bus all the way to Andorra when there's an airport in in Andorra of course you know that's quite worrying isn't it and um, and also not a huge surprise that Andorra scored twice in the second half they scored 13 of their 14 goals this season in the second halves of their games so um, I suppose the travel-weary visitors uh, lasted 45 minutes and then it started to kick in. I, I just can't believe that any club could feel that that was a good way to prepare for a game at this level. Can you, Alex? No, uh, but you know, if you haven't got the money to pay for, for any other manner of travel or um, accommodation or whatever it may be, then needs must. The budget that they have is the budget that, uh, that they have. Uh, let's move on to slightly lighter matters, a comedy event of the week and possibly of the season took place in Anduva where Mirandes beat Cartagena 2-1 in pouring rain. Uh, Cartagena scored an equaliser with 10 minutes to go which went to a lengthy five-minute VAR check. The players were stood around in pouring rain and what do they do in those five minutes? They got fed up, they gave the referee an ear bashing and then the, re- the referee got himself fed up as well and found a new novel use for his magic spray. He drew a line in the sand or on the pitch in this case with his magic spray and then just walked away from them and said, don't go past that. And, and they couldn't moan to him anymore because they couldn't go past the line. It was genius. Absolutely loved it. I do love that because ultimately you get this is every single game with VAR, don't you? They go and hassle the referee and the referee just says, I'm sorry, but I'm taking advice here. There's nothing I could do. You stop hassling me. You know, and in the pouring rain, obviously the referee's patience just was completely lost, wasn't it? But bad news. Bad news for Calera, wasn't it? I mean, another another game without a win for him. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, there's not really been a new manager bounce there for uh, Calero. And more worryingly, you know, his team equalised with that VAR check, that long VAR check. And that was with 10 minutes to go. And then they concede in, in stoppage time uh, to a header. And those are the sort of bread and butter things that you'd expect a Calero team really to be able to snuff out. But they're in good company down the bottom. And Morabieta and Alcocon also lost again and it's looking like those three sides will be pretty permanently mired in a battle down the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I think we knew before Calera arrived, didn't we? Long before he arrived, to be honest, that Cartagena were going to have a good season. They're they're ultimately a small club, even in Segunda terms, to be honest. You could see from Cadillac's decision to leave last summer and the recruitment which followed that the purse strings were being tightened there, I think. And, you know, 
maybe a couple of seasons are going for it and now they decided to just try and be a you know a segunda side rather than push for the promised land of la liga and i think they've got a long hard winter ahead haven't they yes they they absolutely absolutely do um and you know in terms of the the, the promoted sides and morbieta alcocon they're also in a little bit of trouble as well yeah, I mean, it looks like, doesn't it now? I mean, I know we don't want to judge anything from just one week, of course, but it isn't just one week, is it? I've been very impressed with Rathing Ferrol so far this season. They were really impressive this weekend um, against the other Rathing of Santander. They look to me at the moment like the side most likely to to stay up from the four new, newly promoted sides. You know, they were hugely impressive. You know, it reminded me a bit, uh, Alex, of teams that went to Las Palmas last season who obviously had a very you know, formidable home record. And it felt like Ferrol went there and thought, you know what, we're not going to sit back and just let Rathing dominate us and have the crowd baying for blood and a fantastic atmosphere inside in there. We'll, we'll go for it. And they did. And they were absolutely superb. They executed that particular plan, pressed high uh, and, and ran uh, Rathing de Santander ragged, in my opinion. Yeah, and the thing with Racing is at home, Racing Santander, they play such a fantastic uh, pressing type of football, but that does lead gaps. And if you have a team that can exploit on the counter-attack those gaps with pace, with skill and um, and, and quality, then you stand a chance. And the, the, the three that Racing Ferrol have playing uh, just behind their front man have got such levels of quality. I don't think I've seen a promoted side with with three uh, attacking players with that level of talent um, before. And yeah, they they really can punish teams. Liam, talk us through the league table, please. Yeah, so as I already mentioned, Leganes still lead the way at the end of Thursday uh, 13. They are three points clear of Eibar after Echibidi's boys chalked up their seventh win in eight games to move themselves ahead of Espanyol, Levante and Tenerife, who all lost, of course and therefore into that second automatic promotion place behind Leganes. Sporting's win means that they also have moved up that trio of losers from this week, and they now sit third in the table with Espanyol, Levante and Tenerife just behind them. And uh, the other end, the bottom four remain the same. We didn't mention Wesker in that uh, group of teams that we think will struggle. I think they will struggle. They avoided defeat this weekend. I can see a long, long, hard winter for them as well. That draw wasn't enough to move them ahead of either Alcocon or Amorebieta. And of course, Cartagena are still seven points adrift at the bottom. Super thinker, Alex. Yes, if you had Ruben Yanez, he had that penalty save that we discussed a little bit earlier and scored 11 points this match day because of his clean sheet as well. And the final match of October is tonight. That uh, Burgos-Saragotha game. Uh, Fed Nuno plays in that one and we will announce the manager of the month on the socials this week. And then, of course, next week on the show, the winner gets a Spanish Segunda show mug and a 50% discount code for footballstadiumphotography.co.uk. UK, go and check them out. The new picks for November are out now, and the deadline is the very first match in the next match day next weekend. Check out the options on the website, plus read Jordy's article, who gives you the lowdown on all of the players that are available. Uh, that's all we got time for on this show. Don't forget, come and join us on Discord for some Segunda Chat. It's free, and the group join code is in the show notes. It's goodbye from me. Hasta la próxima. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, Segunda doesn't mean second best. Porque todo es mentira. Ah, no se te ni con otra.